Welcome to the Invisibly Supermassive comic book podcast of stuff. This is, uh, I don't know if I said this, is the 55th episode. I am Tony Guerrero, the editor-in-chief of ComicVine.com. And joining me this week, we have Mr. Jerry Duggan, writer of Nova and co-writer of Deadpool. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks so, for having me on. Thanks for, for coming on. Uh, it's, always, it's, always, it's always great, to, you know, because we, we've, we've talked on occasion on... on the Twitter. So it's, it's, Oh, Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope all of our exchanges were very cordial and nice. They, they were good. Cause like <laughs> all of a sudden I, it's like, you notice it's like, Oh, he's actually following me. It's like, I got to watch out what I say about him now. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, right. it's, 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 it's I'm putting all the reviewers in the box. Yeah. So it's, it's, um, I mean, yeah, Twitter's been, it, it's, it's been a blessing and you know, sometimes it's, it can be a nightmare, I guess, but it's just, yeah. I have a uh, for everyone. I think that's a concern. You know, I I'm gonna. I have a young son. I'm gonna raise him to be uh, maybe a, hopefully a little mysterious online where he doesn't have to share everything. Yeah, I don't really use Twitter like that. You know, I'll write a uh, a dumb joke that I I don't have a TV show to to pitch it for, or you know, I'll use it to promote myself or have some kind of fun or beat up someone that doesn't believe in vaccines and. You know, you, it's all kind of stupid, but, um, you know, I, I don't really believe in that, uh, you know, I'm at the mall with whomever, you know, it's like nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Am I allowed to curse? If you want. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, Sorry. I'm, I'll try and keep it clean. Or PG-13. I mean, you can throw out the occasional yeah, word. Yeah. That was my one S-bomb. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't on the podcast, just in case, I, I, I can't imagine my daughter, ever, I mean, she's 10 right now. I can't yeah. imagine her ever, like somehow sneaking like i want to listen to see what dad says because she hears me enough as it is so <laughs> but but yeah that that's that's the thing is i, I agree with, with twitter because like some people they're like like oh man this just happened and then you can tell that they're they're doing it for the reaction it's like they want people like oh what, what's on? and you know I'll, I'll i'll sometimes um you know, tweet stuff about my daughter because she cracks me up a lot of times and you know yeah, I'm, and all that stuff is very valid you know i do the 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 places though that you do see people get into trouble is when they they you know tweet in anger over something that yeah uh, yeah because that stays there forever even if you delete it you can yeah find that's cash true. copies or whatever and but um but it's like with, with my daughter i've never even um stated her name like on the side yeah. or anywhere because you know that that's up to her. She's she's actually done reviews on a site, and uh, oh, that's that's neat. Yeah, I mean, she's been doing it since she was five. You know, have that in common. That's yeah. really wonderful. Yeah, because um, you know, on the site, I'm G Man, so she's Lil G Girl, and oh, that's cool. And she she loves it when um, I don't know if I've done any of your comics where I, we we do something called preview theater, and where yeah, it's, hopefully it's, you're not giving your young daughter Deadpool. <laughs> no, um, but so in preview theater, we uh, take the preview and basically read the lines to kind of like act it out. Mm-hmm. And um, there's been sometimes where she'll, you know, if, if there's a female character, I'll let her do it. And she loves doing it. You know, she wants to do it. You know, she thinks it's cool to be part of it. And 
she's into comics and my wife is like not so much anymore because you know she's she hears it all the time from me but right but now it's like it's the two of us against her so it's like it's like yeah i got someone on my side and but there'll be time like comics are whose comics are these <laughs> and, and you know, who's going to put them away. And we both look at each other like those are your comics. And oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I hope my son is, uh, is into them. He certainly is into the characters. Yeah. And like my, so. my daughter loves agents of shield. And, oh, that's neat. Yeah. And you know, she loves the, 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 she loves all the movies. She hasn't seen them all. Like she hasn't seen the Iron Man movies because there's uh, the, the sort of, you know, sexual angle, you know, something, you know, Tony, doing his, right. his stuff and so she hasn't seen those but you know she's seen like captain america thor the, both thors and avengers she's like how come i haven't seen iron man and just just like actually it was like <laughs> last night she's like i my friends have seen it she's like i've i've seen captain america i've seen both thors she's like how come i can't see iron man and we're like well you'll understand something yeah my um my son saw the superman billboard and had uh asked to see it you know he i couldn't hide from him that they're was a Superman movie, but uh, that was not a movie that I could take him to. So, yeah, yeah, I, I took my daughter, and she was just like, she was actually upset at the beginning when um, Jor-El's beast, you know, his, uh, his when the, thing when got the dragon her. died. Yeah, yeah, she, you know, she, she said she's like, I, I, I cried a little bit at that part, and you know, nobody she, likes a dead dragon. Yeah, and yeah. You know, she, she gets, she, she can be sensitive, especially towards um living creatures. Like she's, she's a vegetarian by choice, you know, where right. she, she doesn't want to eat any any creatures and you know but she doesn't yeah, yeah. judge you know if other people do so hmm. so there's that yeah <laughs> um but let's talk about nova so sure that just came out so um you it's actually kind of your, your second issue because you you jumped in at the end of the big hundredth episode of yeah. issue, which was no, that was a lot of fun i was thrilled to be asked to you know participate in any small way um to to nova i'd i'd been a fan of it from the first issue with with uh, Jeff Loeb and, and Ed and and then of course with Zeb. Um, so I, it was a little intimidating to be asked to contribute, but um, yeah, I, I was I was thrilled because it's it's a it's a fun uh, muscle to flex that inexperienced hero. Mm-hmm. It's not something um, you know I, I, I get to to contribute to like that on, on Deadpool or anything else. Uh, and so we are trying to, you know, the uh, Sam's life is going to get very complicated, but the equation will be, um, you know, uh, the simple sort of tried and true. He's going to have his Nova problems, then he's going to have his Sam Alexander problems. And the Sam problems are, are going to be pretty weighty. Uh, you, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when you take a step back and you just look at the family, you know Jesse, uh, his father is obviously gone uh, to parts unknown, and uh, you know he was the sole breadwinner. That, that, that's the you know that 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 would be enough trouble right there to to last a family potentially for a lifetime. So I, I get to really have some fun with those story threads there, and watch as the Alexanders get to sort of fight their way out of the financial and social problems that come with, uh, you know, a missing father. And then that's, you know, those are the things that, that get me really excited. You know, obviously any of the space battles or, or the, the stuff here on earth or the crossovers with other young inexperienced heroes, all that's gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I had more than 20 pages an issue. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and you know, I have to say too, I've had a lot of help. Uh, the, the Marvel editors have been great, Wacker and and Ellie Pyle and uh, Devin Lewis. They, if if anyone picked up Nova Eleven um, and and enjoyed it, uh, you know, they're, they're a, a big reason why there was that uh, continuity. I think from from Jeff and then Zeb and and into me, they they really are the custodians of of that character. And I I think Sam is someone that we all really care for and we're really interested in building him up as a as a big character uh, in the Marvel universe. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's interesting um you know cuz when when Jeff started out and then you know then Zeb took over and I don't know if there was ever like like a formal announcement but you know cuz I I've had a lot of people like ask me you know on, on Twitter or on the site or whatever like you know is Jeff coming back or is like is you know and then now with with you're on but um throughout the whole thing it like you said it has been seamless. And and I actually think, and you know, I, I I'm not just saying it because I'm talking to you, but you know, I, I I felt like there was a little little extra something in in issue eleven, and and oh thanks, and you know, it's like you you see when when writers have to write kids, and you know, you there's always a question. It's like you know, how do you write kids? You know, do you you sit out at the you know the, the food court at the mall and listen to them or whatever? And but you know, I, some I guess it just shows the ability of some writers where they can dive into that situation, I guess, and just, you know, capture the feel of the character. And, and I have to say, you nailed it right away. I mean, you, oh, thank you. you, you know, That's who Sam is. I think, you know, if, if anything, I, I knew sort of that I was really, you know, those are two tough acts to follow. Um, the, those, those two writers. And so I, you know, I did, I just wanted to spend a little extra time to, you know, help, sort of ease the clutch in uh, a little bit, so to speak, so that you didn't feel that it was uh, going to be a, a necessarily a, a painful or jarring transition. And, you know, more to what you were saying about being a kid, I guess it helps if you feel like sometimes you still are a kid. You know, <laughs> there are times when I feel very immature. Um, and so maybe that, that helps with uh, Sam. Uh, you know, there are times when, I, and I'm sure this is true of, of even someone who feels like they've finally arrived at, at adulthood, but, you know, where uh, things can't happen fast enough or, uh, you know, patience. I'll tell you this. The one thing I think that has changed in my life the last few years is I, I became a father. And so I see the world, you know, that that to me is 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 everything you know that's the that's job number one and you know i get some of my uh a lot of my inspiration from my son you know is even he's he's only about five now but you know you can see him sort of very uh craftily sort of negotiating his way and it's very transparent you know oh, mommy said i could have a treat or whatever and i'm like mommy didn't say that <laughs> but you know the, those are those the fun things for me to sort of watch uh as as a kid, will make mistakes, and and you know that that uh, uh, that that Sam in a nutshell is that you know he 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 will screw it up, and uh, I I bumped into I really I randomly bumped into Jeff Loeb at San Diego, and I he he didn't know me as I walked up to him, but he I said look you know I'm I'm taking over, and all you know he gave me all the time in the world. He made me feel like he was the most that I was the most important guy in, in that room and I wasn't, but he, you know, he said, you know, Sam is, uh, he gave me a couple of really good bits of advice about Sam to sort of hold on to. And, and it happened, I think at a moment when I was polishing 11 to turn in. So yeah, I sort of do have to 
uh, very uh, candidly to say, you know, he, he, he really sort of helped clarify that, uh, you know, my Sam was also going to be a screw up, but that in, in those mistakes, you know, hopefully you find that, um, you know, that, that, that there's this kid who wants to do the right thing. And, and actually in the next uh, sort of mini arc, um, Sam really kind of screws up badly. He thinks he's done a really wonderful job for some people in space. Um, and he did help them, but he sort of helped the wrong people. And uh, that will come back to haunt him. And, and, and that's fun, you know, making, having someone make, be their own worst enemy, I think, is, is, is always a, an opportunity for, for comedy and, and hopefully a little character. You know, you, 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 you want to put a little bit of callus on, on Sam. Uh, and and even the chess club stuff that I'm going to start to work in, you know, it seems kind of silly, but I I think it could help him. And you know, so it's it does two things. I think it builds him up, but it also is a chance, uh, hopefully, once in a while to get a to get a laugh mm-hmm. um, when when you need it. But I'm glad, you know, I'm excited about Sam. Not everyone gets the opportunity to to get a character like this that hasn't been around for uh, 25, 30, 40, 50 years and, and make, uh, get a chance to, you know, help mold that character. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm having fun. And I, I do hope the, the, the issues read that we're having fun. Yeah. I mean, they, they do. And, and, you know, we here at Comic Vine, we've, we've been fans of the series from the beginning because, you know, it, it's, it, the series almost has an, an all age feel to it, even though you know it has a, a teen rating. And you know, sometimes we, we question it's like why is it teen rating when you know, I guess if you have Gamora, you know, you know, an assassin running around or you know, right. some of the family situation. But I mean it, it's it's nice to have a book that that hopefully, you know, young, you know, teenage kids can actually read without having, you know, like like, oh, it's it's the Punisher killing everyone or you know, right, you know something right. like something that's not as dark that it, it's serious, you know, what you said about his family life and his dad being gone. But at the same time, you still feel like, you know, he's this kid that has this awesome power. He's doing all these cool things. And, and yet he's going to mess up because that's what people do when, you know, you're learning a new situation. So, I mean, it's, it's just, great. yeah, that, that's the, that's the big fun for, for me is that, you know, that there is this, that that you know screw ups are fun to hang out with. I was a screw up. I, I think my friends were were screw ups, and uh, you know we we <laughs> it's it's fun. That's the, the, the and and look, comics should be fun, and especially a book. You know, uh, more to your point, I I would show and share this and read these comics to my son, mm-hmm. whereas I will hide my involvement in Deadpool from him for as long as possible, like a family <laughs> secret. Uh, I do have this, speaking of kids, um, have you ever watched uh, ultimate Spider-Man? You know, um, I haven't only because uh, we are, uh, if I bring that into the house or onto my DVR, <laughs> that will be something I, I, and I know my son will love it. So uh-huh. for, forgive me. That's why I haven't. But I do. I very much look forward to binge watching it uh, one day. Because because here's the thing, um, like because so my daughter likes it, and and you know people from what I've heard, you know general reaction, you know there's there's some mixed feelings because you know it's it's not the previous spectacular Spider-Man series, and you know whatever it's it's not supposed to be. 
and you know there's a whole breaking the fourth wall so it, it's it's a little weird in, in that sense but you know my, my daughter does like and, and it is a way for her to see these you know new episodes of these characters that you know she's grown to to enjoy but um the interesting thing is sam on that show is not like sam in the comics mm-hmm. and and so you know jeff has been writing you know he's the one that kind of created the character in the comics and you know he oversees marvel tv and and, and sure. that aspect so it, it's weird how these are completely different characters like like my daughter does not like sam in the cartoon because he's 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 kind of a, a smart ass you know he's he he can be annoying and you know him and and Peter are always kind of butting heads even though you know they're they're teammates and that right so, so like when when she first heard that there was a comic she's like oh Sam Alexander you know she she's <laughs> like she doesn't like him but um there was a, a, a episode recently where um like the Guardians of the Galaxy were involved and and basically you got to see Sam be more of a hero so I think that kind of opened her eyes a little bit where you know she realized that he's not this annoying jerk that he appears to be. Right, but I always thought that I think was it all weird. Depends too how you need uh, what your needs are for for a story. You know, obviously the in the Spider Man cartoon, Spider Man is is going to be the star, and you know I think they they might need Sam there to sort of be the you know the the adjutant, mm-hmm. the, uh, the 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 thing that will make the pearl. Whereas you know in in the book, I I do hope you know that there is you know a, a little more focus on Sam and. Uh, uh, and and the character development that we can, you know, hopefully bring to the to the forefront. Um, and you know, we're doing it though. I guess this is a trap, and this is possibly off topic. But you know, there is the chance too that you know maybe you bring in a big guest star, uh, and you know, you sort of lose track of Sam. And and uh, the editors have been really great about that too about making a course correction to go, Hey, you know, beta Ray bill is here, but how does this affect Sam? Do you know what I mean? And not, not to sort of take a very down uh, to earth view of a lot of this stuff. Um, and I, I, I think that's, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing people's reactions to 12, 13, 14. I'm working on 16 and 17 now. And I, I think, uh, I think those are at least my best work. You're getting the best from Paco and the art team every time out. So at the very least, you should be buying it for, for that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, but it, it's, it's good to hear that we're not going to have an all new Nova number one. That, you know. No, no, I, <laughs> yeah, I was um, very grateful too, because I, I did want to sort of honor everything that, that that Jeff and Zeb started. I, I do feel like I was coming in to a, a great situation where, you know, they established a lot of the themes that I'm going to be playing with. So, um, you know, I, it, it made sense to me that, that, and nobody wanted that. Do you know what I mean? Like, as far as I know, that was never on the table. That was, uh, I was going to continue right on telling Sam's story now. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Deadpool. So, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly, it's like, holy cow. That was, that, that was a, a a pretty big departure. And I guess you you could say that. I mean, sure. Um, yeah, I think if, you know, there was, uh, I, I don't think, 
I, I don't think we could have opened with that story, even if we had <laughs> wanted to. Um, because I think the expectation is, at least especially with you know Brian on the book, that there was going to be comedy. Um, and you know we certainly had some funny ideas that I think we wanted to sort of play around with. But all of the pieces of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly were basically there from issue one. It's a crazy long game uh, with Deadpool. Uh, the 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 Deadpool ships eighteen issues a year, and there are times when that feels so daunting, and then there are other times when you're like, "Oh man, you know, like I sort of wish I had like twenty or twenty two issues to to do this." But it is fun when when you can outline really far in advance and plant some of those things. I mean, we knew where Preston was going from the very first issue. You know, you met her actually before you met Deadpool in issue one. Um, and I don't think the good, the bad and the ugly would have worked without Preston. Um, yeah. Uh, but yes, obviously a big tone shift, um, you know, in, in story and, and in art. Um, you know, Declan and, and Jordy, the, that was their, their, well, really, their, they, their sort of, that was their solo, and then they dropped the mic. Uh, they're gone now. <laughs> but, or they've been gone for me for a while. Um, but, but yeah, we, I will be uh, very grateful to, to them for, for that arc. Um, I'm, I'm glad it was, you know, here's the thing with the good, the bad, and the ugly, and I guess this is, um, Maybe obvious, but I guess I'll say it anyways. That you know, Deadpool's origin is is um, it's not that it's not good or that it's bad. It's just that it's very much in question. And I remember having chats with Jordan uh, D. White, the editor, and he just said, "I'd prefer not to, uh, you know, look under that rock." And I I got it. I totally understood. And, you know, I didn't, it felt very strange to me if we were going to go in and do anything that invalidated anything. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that. You know, uh, most of my comics work prior to this was all creator owned stuff where I didn't have to work uh, around any of the minefields from any, anyone else, uh, anyone else on, on a character. And so, um, you know, when we had this story that we wanted to tell about Deadpool's organs being harvested and how he was an important player in the Marvel Universe, whether he knew it or not, um, to, to some very bad people, uh, that, you know, we, we thought, oh, here's a way that we could maybe not exactly put a pin on the map and tell you where and how, but why it's kind of a mess. And so I guess... If if you're if you haven't read the, those comics, I guess that's a reason to pick them up. I, I guess if you've read them, whether you enjoyed them or not, that that was our intent was to tell a fun story. And you know, look, borrowing Captain America and and Wolverine and and making them feel a part of it, I think was uh, you know for us a, a lot of fun uh, because you know I, I'm very much I grew up on a pretty steady diet of Shane Black stuff. Uh, Shane Black, uh, the, the, now everyone knows him mm-hmm. from Iron Man three or everyone probably should have known him before from lethal weapon. And, mm-hmm. 
but I, you know, I learned to write reading those screenplays and watching his, his, uh, screenplays be turned into movies. And, and, you know, if I have a crutch, it's that I, I want that back and forth of between an odd couple. Um, you know, and we, we, we very much used that in Deadpool. We, you know, we, we put Preston in his head, spoiler, if you're not reading. Um, and, and, um, even in, in Nova early on, you know, having Beta Ray Bill, uh, show up in the early issues, uh, is fun for me, but it's also a little bit of a, a security blanket in a fun way. I, I hope, you know, it is, uh, supposed to be fun, but the, there's a good way to build characters and with that. And, uh, so, you know, Deadpool, uh, it won't be the same, uh, now after, uh, the good, the bad and the ugly. And, he he's gotten rid of an enemy that he didn't really know he had. Mm-hmm. And so on the surface, there's sort of that, well, yeah, me, you know, how much is really different, but there is this, uh, he's very wounded. He's, he knows he, um, his sort of cavalier attitude toward pinballing through life certainly killed at least one woman, uh, that showed him, uh, I think a great kindness and maybe even a daughter. He didn't, know that he had um and and so that that will weigh heavily on anyone and the 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 mike hawthorne arc that we're about to start now you know everyone's saying oh i'm glad that you know mike is back and or not everyone but there are some people sort of saying you know we're i'm glad we're getting back to sort of the deadpool that you guys established and it's it's true we are you know there was certainly more um joke uh setting up and knocking down in, in, in this new arc, but in its own way, it's actually carrying a lot of that darkness over because Deadpool won't have had a time to really process, uh, much of what happened to him in North Korea. And, um, he's going to, that will manifest itself in some sort of crazy violent ways. He's always been a violent character, and now there's sort of this almost this like ultra violence for a little while that uh, will, I think, even unsettle him. Um, and so that's fun to do, you know, to to really try and unhinge a character that, um, you know, has he he hasn't really been unhinged like he were unhinging him. Uh, so that that's fun, and then. That will lead into some really big uh, things happening in the in the springtime for for Deadpool and uh, in between all of that we actually have uh, the Infinite Comics mm-hmm. uh, story that's going to come in and and the hope is that uh, my son and I we play a lot of Legos <laughs> mm-hmm. and that that will feel very much like something that connects and it will look seamless. And if you disconnect it, uh, both stand on its own. So I'm proud of the way that we were able to really, uh, graft, uh, those two stories together. And in a way that I think will be pleasing if you, if you're picking up both, I do hope that anyone that's reading, uh, our Deadpool now will, will pick up that, uh, that infinite comic because it really is, a. uh, a, f- a fun new thing for us, uh, for me anyway. I know that Riley Brown is killing it on art, and and it will sort of present to you, uh, I think, a uh, uh, the full sort of story. Uh, and then the events from that 
comic will very much impact the you know the print whatever rolls off the printer uh next year too um and it all has its roots in in the good the bad and the ugly hmm. uh, f- for deadpool it it um you know we were able to do a lot in just a hundred pages that uh i i guess I'm proud of the way that it sort of didn't really screw anything up in the rear view and that it really helped set the table for uh, a lot more story. If that had not landed, you know, there's every upper, <laughs> there's every chance that, you know, there'd be a new Deadpool number one with some new writers, <laughs> like very much in your future. Of, hey, we give it a shot. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I think, and I hope that you guys are, are here for, for a while. Cause it's, it's, it's been good. And, you know, I, I've always, yeah, obviously, you know, like many people say, you know, I've I've always liked Deadpool, but you know, over the years, sometimes you know, where you, you get a lot of the same thing, where it's like, yeah, this is still good, but it's like I've seen this already, and and you know, it it's it's like you guys brought it back, and and I did enjoy the previous series, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it yeah, lasted, that's, that's it was like you know, sixty whatever issues. I mean, that's especially these days, that's that's a long time for a series to to get that high without getting you know relaunched and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're now as time goes by and this is crazy to think, I mean, we'll never get there. We'll never be the highest numbered Marvel book, but at the moment, you know, there's only a couple books in front of us that we'll, we'll never get there. But, but it is, uh, I think about the end sometimes, you know, and, and I do, uh, I, I have, uh, some stories that I think would work well, um, at the end. And uh, I'm I'm a guy that what's the right way to say this? It's I would rather go leave a party early um, before things get ugly and sort of go, hey, where where'd he go? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like we was I'd rather not stay on the stage for too long, yeah. and then you know have people looking forward to you know a, a reboot from someone else. I'd I'd rather Costanza the whole thing. But that said, I mean uh, you know I I don't we're not we're not writing those story, those sort of end stories uh, now, you know, we, we have a lot of uh, fun stuff. I mean, you know, the way that we work too, because of the crazy schedule, I think we have four artists going at the moment. Wow. And these are all like, that's a good thing. It's mm-hmm. regular sort of our regular guys, uh, our, our men and women of Deadpool are hard at work on, on 2014. Um, and have been for, for a while now. That's great. Uh, let's talk about the, the the current story arc. So the, the Wakandan vacation. Yeah, this was. I mean, such like the whole you know flashback feel to it, and it's it's like first of all, let's talk about like where you guys got that idea from. Like like why you're gonna revisit this style of storytelling. Well, we had this crazy idea many many years ago, um, Brian and I, and we I think we even pitched it at a panel or something. I, I forget exactly. We it was a gag when we did it, and we knew we'd never get a chance to do it. But it was essentially the the legends of Drunk Iron Man, the Armored Avengers' most intoxicating tales, <laughs> and uh, they were Marvel was very much right to to say no, thank you. <laughs> Don't call us anymore. But, um, you know, when we knew that Tony was going to be um, wrapping up at six and 
that we were going to double ship Mike Hawthorne. Um, and this is super inside baseball, but that Mike was going to have to, you know, s- several of his, his issues would be coming out in the same month. And we wanted to buffer that. And, and it, you have to credit Jordan D. White with the idea for an inventory issue, um, which really quick for anyone that doesn't know, back in the day, uh, Marvel and DC would have uh, co- commissioned single uh, issues of their various lines so that if someone got late, if someone was going away, deadline crunch, you know, the dog ate the original boards, whatever it was, you had an inventory issue that you could just send to the printer and, and, and run. And so that's how we did issue seven. And we got to make use of some of our old silly gags from the Iron Man book that we were never thought we would ever see the light of day. The thing I think that was very pleasing about Deadpool seven was, well, several things. One was that we knew we sort of had a little bit of a lightning in a bottle like the feeling after seeing what Scott Koblish and Val Staples did, we knew we just wanted to do it again. I don't think anyone wants us to do a series of period Deadpool stories, but there easily could be. Yeah. Um, and, and, and really in the end, I mean, depending on how long we're on the book for, I think it's very conceivable you could have a trade or two of these sort of out-of-time uh, stories. And, and it all comes from a, a place where we're, we love those eras, you know, mm-hmm. I, I love them. Uh, so does Brian. And, um, but we were able to treat the Tony's alcoholism with, you know, I think a little bit of weight. It wasn't all a gag. It was a great excuse to have a bunch of laughs and hopefully it is a very funny book. But, you know, when push came to shove, you know, that was an incontinuity book that where Deadpool sort of got to help Tony nudge off the booze. Um, and that's what was really pleasing. Now, while all this was happening and we were sort of reveling in it behind the scenes, you know, we we asked Scott, we said, hey, you know, we'd like to do more of these. Just thinking, hey, you're on notice, you know, we'd like to work more with you. He replied back in an email, I don't know, like, that later that night or 90 minutes later, and there was about seven figures of Deadpool in different eras. <laughs> and we were like, you know, it was hard to go to sleep that night. Um, one of them was essentially the, the seventies Deadpool. I think the only note that, that I gave him was to put the Afro on the mask. <laughs> um, but you know, we, we were able to use a lot of them and, and, and actually the, the, the issue 20 is one of the natural sort of extensions of all of that. We just knew there was this great Kirby Deadpool piece that, that Scott drew where we were like, Oh, of course that's going to be an entire issue. We're going to go back to, you know, the, the great swing in sixties of the Marvel universe. And, you know, the thing is going to yell something about Aunt Petunia and, you know, it's, it's all going to be a, a bit of fun for us. And, 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 the placement of it for for us it, it it accomplishes a couple of things one it it spells our regular artists and helps them have the proper amount of time per issue but that's like the boring answer the, the the real reason to put 20 where we did is that we really did need a palate cleanser after the good the bad and the ugly i think to to roll right into sort of the repercussions of it would have felt really kind of oppressive you know we needed to move away from it just even briefly, I think. Um, 
and and you know i'm i'm thrilled at the i'm always thrilled at, the, at these issues you know our artists are are super talented and uh you know the the one i think 26 is probably our best inventory issue hmm. um uh, i'm sure i'm not allowed to say what it is although I, there are certainly hints in 20 uh, or or not so subtle hints at what that could be in 20 okay yeah yeah i mean yeah don't 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 i don't want you to get in trouble no 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 i i've stepped in uh, a lot of uh piles of stuff for <laughs> i i have a pretty good idea now of what i can and can't do but the, yeah I, I i won't spoil it but it is fun i think it's it's uh certainly scott's uh greatest uh achievement i think thus far if 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 not ours you know Okay, interesting. Can't wait. Um, okay, let's do some questions. I, I, know, I know you don't have a lot of time. No, no, no. I, yeah, I'm happy to. Okay, so um, first is this from Corey. He's he's one of our our um, reviewers, and he's on joins me on the other podcast. Um, and his his screen name is actually Undeadpool. So he's okay. he's a big Deadpool fan. Um, he wants to know how conscious are you of the balancing act between Deadpool's humor and pathos. You know, um, it's becoming a little bit more, I I think as time has gone on, it's been easier for us to balance it. Um, You know, I do think uh, it was a little bit of a seesaw, but I think the tone that we managed to capture with the good, the bad, and the ugly of knowing just when the right moment was to sort of balance the, that, uh, uh, to bring us out of the darkness with a laugh, I think uh, you know things like the the fastball special that went wrong, <laughs> or you know the, those. I think it really helps. Otherwise, you're you're just sort of. I'm not sure how fun it is, and I, above all else, everything that I I do, uh, everything that has my name on it, with I, I think has to be fun. There has to be. Um, some sort of um, thing that will allow you to escape your life because that's what I got out of comics. You know, I, I, I found them to be uh, very rewarding pieces of escapist. Uh, and then it helped obviously make me who I am today. But I, I, that's what I really want is that, you know, if someone's paying money, they, they should have some fun. But I, yeah, it is, it's a, it's a little bit, it can be a little tricky because some parts of, you know, the, the Deadpool tone uh, can be hard to to nail, um, and you know I I think we're doing okay because I still get a lot of people on Twitter saying that you know we the best thing we ever did was the first arc with Tony and the Dead Presidents, and you know then I I still am seeing people saying that the good, the bad, and the ugly is you know their favorite story, and uh, you know both are valid. I, I think what I'd love to do is to be able to say that we're serving all of. Uh, Deadpool's varied uh, constituencies. Well, like ex- every week, I, I do a, a a video. It's called "Best Stuff in Comics," and mm, it's yeah, a, yeah. it's it's like almost guaranteed. Like if if there's a Deadpool comic, you know, there I'm going to be able to get something. You know, some some best something out of, out of that. Oh, thank you. That's well, very kind of you to say. Like for for issue twenty, I mean, there is so much, and it's like. Um, I, I love the the robot turkey leg part, but that's and that's the thing that didn't show up until the very end. You know, some of those lines are just things that 
Oh, of course, that's what Deadpool would think. But, you know, and, and I guess I should say, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, I really have to credit Scott. You know, we, 20 was also an experiment in, uh, in doing a comic Marvel style. Where we, we turned in a very tight outline. And we called for some characters, and then in other places we said, draw who you want to draw from that era. And, you know, we sort of, the the path of that book took was, you know, something that I think Scott attributes to Jack, a quote, you know, sort of the crazier uh, it is, the less sense it makes, the better it will be in the end. I'm not even sure he said it, but we were like, whatever, dude. You know, that, that by that time, that's our fourth issue with Scott, and we were very comfortable to have him just go, oh, we look at this, we turn the page, and, you know, he's on a sled. We're going to call that sled pool. The turkey leg line just didn't show up until the art was done. There's a few things like that, too, in, in Deadpool sometimes, and the, the Mount Gushmore line uh, <laughs> from uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly mm-hmm. is another thing that we didn't get until the day it went to print. Um, whereas, but obviously, the, like the the fastball special was a gag that was there from the you know first draft of that issue so that one made it into a video (laughs) oh yeah well good i'm glad for for um this issue i i used uh best advice from the watcher it was a the good luck don't die (laughs) with that hey that's good advice yeah it's like like, yeah good luck don't die um (laughs) Uh, okay, Greg Katzman. So he he's a guy that you know. Yeah, always, he's, he's always another, reviews. Yeah. I don't know what what he would do if if I ever said, you know, I'm going to review the next issue. I, I think <laughs> I, I think he'd, he'd get really upset, and you know, there might be tears if, if you know. And that that's the thing because like when when we do the reviews, a lot of times we we kind of get like our own books. Like it's like, okay, this is the book that I'm, I review every month. And ah, right, and right. So, so you, I, I look, I think that makes sense if someone's playing a long game. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's, sometimes it's good to mix it up to get a different, you know, so you don't get like the fanboy, you know, angle of, of, you know, something, but other times it's like, you know, you, you want someone that really understands. And like you said, you know, long term has been there from the beginning, really gets it. And if there is a change, you know, they're going to notice it. And so, well, he has, he's got some questions. Um, he wants to know what's your favorite Deadpool issue before this volume, or maybe not issue, it's story moment. You know, I always was a, a big fan of the Deadpool Annual. I think it's the '98 uh, with uh, Murdoch. Oh yeah, I think that's probably if I had to pick one to take with me uh, onto my desert island. Uh, that's that's probably the one I would take. There's a lot there, though. I mean, there's a lot of really wonderful stories. That was, you know, that's the other thing, too. You know, we we did, we didn't go back and look at any of it because we didn't want to, like, quit before we started. Mm-hmm. You know, there was, you know, Rick's stuff on Uncanny, uh, uh, or I'm sorry, in, in X-Force. Mm-hmm. There, you know, Mark Wade and Gail Simone and, and obviously Joe Kelly and so many people. Uh, have contributed to him over the years and any one of their runs, you know, it's fun to argue about, you know, which is better than the, than the next. And so we just said, well, we we can't go back and look at this stuff right now. We're, we better look ahead and get our feet, you know, 
firmly planted on the ground before we start, you know, mining anything in the past. And I think that that sort of served. Uh, I think that served as well with the relaunch too, because we didn't immediately open with, uh, you know, Hyderabad. I think everyone wanted to see if we could bring some new eyes to to Deadpool, and I think we were certainly moderately successful at that at that goal anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, another question from Greg. If Marvel said you had to make the next Deadpool and Blank book, which character would you pick and why? Oh, like, like the Deadpool and, stuff? And, yeah. like Deadpool and Cable? Ah, uh, ah. Uh. I'm assuming that's what he means. Yeah, yeah. Like, or uh, I thought maybe you were talking about like Deadpool kills whatever. Or yeah. Deadpool. <laughs> um, you know what? I have to be careful because it's a great question. And I don't want to. Okay, that's I. To, I totally but, understand. But I, there is a couple of things that are sort of on the table that might actually come uh, bear fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, they they wouldn't necessarily be something we might try in the in our normal run because I think the tracks for that are sort of well planned at this point. Okay, go for moving quite a bit into the future, uh, but. You know, there might be like some sort of side projects. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like the. Uh, so I, I'm going to have to pass on. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally, absolutely understand. So, but I, it's certainly worth a shot. Yeah. Okay. I don't. It was, it's a good question. All right. Here are some questions from the 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 podcast Facebook page. So, um, and there's going to be some of these that you can't answer because okay. Um, like, so the first one um is from Stephen. Uh, he says, "Will we get to see Deadpool's daughter?" Or Sam's dad eventually. See, it's like, it's like you can't really answer. Maybe. I'm. I guess the way I would want to say it is the those stories are ongoing, and I don't want to. Uh, there is one of those things that might happen before the other. There you go. See, so that way. But there, there. We'll just say we're conscious of both of those sort of open. Uh, issues or open uh, story uh, points that we would like to, um, but we reserve the right not to answer that. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean you 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 danced around it just right. Yeah. It's like okay, yeah. <laughs> um, here's a question from Dallas: uh, What does Senior Sinister look and act like in your mind? He is very much like his brother, although um, uh, like a, a little bit more relaxed. His sort of pencil thin mustache is a little bit more uh, Ricky Ricardo, and and he look he enjoys the finer things in life. He would like to go out and and drink at night, and you know there, Mexico is a wonderful place that has a lot of resorts. So he's not so hell bent on on destruction. But look, he's it's the family business. You know there is there's work to be done, and paradise doesn't pay for itself. So he's not above uh, rolling up his sleeves and getting his uh, his hands dirty when when need be. <laughs> so so Dal says. Um, so ever since his first reference in the first uh, lost issue, um, he's been hoping to see a story about him. So I guess never say never. Yeah. Okay, here's one from Steven. I worry, though, that that story might be going back to where <laughs> I was nervous about of like, boy, these guys are on the stage a long time. 
You know, it's like going into a concert and going, oh, this is hour four. I kind of want to go sit down or go get into traffic and drive away. <laughs> All right. Uh, Steven, he, he brings up Sam Alexander, how he's written differently on the, the animated series. So we kind of talked about that. Um, yeah. So he says, um, so he really likes the character. He loves him just as much as Richard Ryder. And he says, I don't see him as a replacement, but I see him as an addition to the legacy to hero. So here's a question that you probably knew was coming that I'm, I'm assuming maybe you can't answer. He says, will we see the return of Richard Ryder? <laughs> you know, and, and you, if I, I, I'm going to assume what, you, he I can't answer he, it. I guess, let me say this. I know how that question was intended. Will you see the return of, of Ryder from wherever he is? And, I don't want to answer that question, but mm-hmm. I will say you may see him pop up in other places uh, or in unexpected ways uh, in flashbacks or not. It, yeah. may, it, may be, it may be in an unexpected way. You may hear that name called uh, in the not-too-distant future. That doesn't involve returning him, but... Who knows? the The future is wide open. I mean, there's there. That's a big question mark. His father's a big question mark. Jesse Alexander. I don't think you know. Uh, you know, mysteries are good sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they allow you to find some other interesting uh, story threads, and uh, so I, I hopefully I dance through that. Yeah, one. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing because like as soon as this, this series first started, people were like, like, oh, it's not Rich Ryder, and and you know, I was a huge Noah fan, especially with the New Warriors in the '90s and all that. But you know, from the first issues, like I I've been digging this series, and and I I don't think it's fair to judge Sam based on the you know missing another character. Yeah, and look, nothing that we're doing with Sam has invalidated any of the old adventures or any of the sort of feelings you the emotional sort of responses that anyone had to Ryder and you know Ryder uh you know is is not here now and there is only one Nova. Uh, there's the last the last Nova. His name is Sam Alexander, yeah. and you know I know that there are some people because I get it. I, I it's tweeted to me all the time. <laughs> you know uh, I don't care about Sam. You know when when are you bringing Ryder back? And frankly, you know I, I think for a, a real fan of Nova, I, I hope you know that's just someone just that's someone that needs to have green eggs and ham read to them again. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate to be so dismissive, but I mean, that's, that's really, and truly, you know, there's this young kid that I think, you know, is, has a lot of heroic potential and is an inexperienced hero, like the old classic Lee and Ditko Spider-Man stories. But, you know, with, without the science, uh, without the heavy science background. And so there's an opportunity there for a lot of fun. And, I, I'm not. I'm not going to try and convince anyone to to pick up the book. Uh, that that is a, an old Rich Rider fan. I would hope. That's my by job. Now, yeah, yeah. But that no, no. Truly, it's you know, here's the thing. I mean, look, any fan of Rich Rider is unquestionably an adult now. Mm-hmm. But by any measure, that that person has is old enough for a driver's license. You are making your own decisions. You're getting up in the morning and hopefully conducting yourself as a 
as a uh, uh, an effective and good uh, member of society. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of other things that you could be spending your time doing uh, than trolling me on the internet. And you know, I'm I'm trying to be Buddha over the whole thing. You know, I, I'm not. I get it. I'm not going to pick a fight with anyone. I, I try not to yell at civilians on Twitter. I'm, uh, <laughs> but but you know we're having fun telling Sam Alexander stories, and we do wish you would join us. However, if you're not, you can just keep it to yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, a couple more questions. Um, Mark LePage, he now, there's there's not a hardcover for Deadpool, is there? Isn't it two trades? You know, they did just announce it and oversight, okay. or they not announce it, but yes, there's going to be volume one, which is one through 12, okay. I believe, for nice. release in January or February. That's interesting how they're doing that, but I'm, I'm glad they are. I, I'm a sucker for the hardcovers. And, and I am too. Look, I bought all the, the, you know, the, I bought the volume one of Daredevil, uh, that they put out from, uh, you know, Wade and, and, mm-hmm. and uh, and, uh, uh Everyone. Yeah, and his collaborators, and and it's a really wonderful way if if the art's good and the art, you know, say what you will about our writing in Deadpool, the the uh, art has been phenomenal. So I can't wait to hold the the oversized uh, yeah. Deadpool book that has uh, <laughs> that has Tony Moore and Koblish and Mike Hawthorne, and then. Uh, you know, uh, if it does well enough, I hope there's a volume two that would have the good, the bad, and the ugly. That'd be fun. Yeah. So, so Mark says, um, for someone who wants to get into Deadpool, is that a good place to start? I, was- I, th- I think so. I, we designed Marvel Now, our number one uh, issue, to be an on-ramp. Um, uh, and, you know, you could pick up any of our trades. You could skip the first one and read the second one. However... You know, when push comes to shove, you're going to go, you might ask, well, you know, who's Agent Preston? You know, we do, they do a great job with the recap pages. But I I think if you're looking to get into Deadpool, I think we've acquitted ourselves admirably. And if if you're going to take a roll of the dice on the hardcover, the worst thing you could say is it might go out of print and you could get your money out of it on (laughs) on Amazon or eBay later. Yeah, but I'll say definitely that's that's a a great place to to get, get started. Um. And then the last question is from Patrick Delaney. He says, oh, man, did the Deadpool series take a very dark and real turn? Obviously, things may lighten up a bit, but do you have plans to continue this new status quo for Deadpool? Yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to – I went to a convention recently, too, and someone said, I want to see Deadpool get darker. <laughs> and I was like, he's in a North Korean concentration camp. Wow. I was like, I'm not, there's no, I'm not, I don't want to do a darker story than that. You know, this was, hopefully you come out of that story gasping, you know, for a little bit of air. But yes, Deadpool, unfortunately, you know, we can't kill Deadpool. His healing factor will bring him right back, but we can punish him in other ways. Um, His body, you know, we've uh, put through the ringer, but the mind and soul are another matter and so we're we're going to start working those parts of his body and the, a, a lot of it will have roots in 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 that story there's uh obvious uh, story threads and maybe some less obvious story threads out of it that will um that will that will tug on later and i think maybe surprise some people we'll see i i always like I always value turning uh, the page and being surprised by something you didn't see coming. And so we, we, we like to do that and we're going to keep doing that. Uh, 
as I said earlier, you know, the, the violence, uh, Deadpool will be manifesting a lot of these feelings that he has and then he'll need a break. You know, he, he, uh, he is whatever he is, he is only human, uh, where it counts. And so there's only so much, uh, that anyone could take and, and we really did hurt him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, I didn't like it, but we did it. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. And then Patrick says, um, love the series. Keep k- kicking ass. He says, PS also loved nerd poker. Oh. Um, and I know I am behind, but spoilers, you just died. I poured some out for oh, dead yeah. hippie and his spirit bear. Yeah. We have a fun, uh, Brian and I, well, yeah. it's really Brian's podcast and we have, uh, we had a game here for many years uh, in Los Angeles, uh, a regular uh, Dungeons and Dragons game that uh, went away because a bunch of us uh, got pregnant. Uh, <laughs> Patton was a part of that game, Brian was, and I was, and that was just about half the room. And we just said, "Yeah, we're going to put the game on hiatus." <laughs> and Brian brought it back as a as a podcast, and we were um, we've been having a lot of fun. We're actually, I think. I think this week might be the 52nd. It might be one year of of, of shows. And uh, it, it's a very silly thing, but we do have a lot of fun doing it. And I understand it's quite listenable mm-hmm. if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, it is all improv, although our DM does do a lot of writing. Uh, it's called Nerd Poker. Um, I deliberately uh, play characters that I know will upset Brian. <laughs> Uh, and that's that's sort of what I bring to the table every time. But I did my characters die a lot. <laughs> I play it pretty fast and loose, uh, and our DM is not afraid to kill, not not afraid to get his hands uh, bloodied. He if he if he rolls the dice, and you know it is a fatal roll the dice. He's not cheating it. So uh, that's been fun. Uh, I know that there are a lot of listeners and there are guys, uh, a lot of men and women that are doing art inspired by it. And we look at it all and we really marvel at it. And, and so, uh, yeah, if, if you need more of me in your life, that would be the only way that I could, that you could possibly do it right now. I I don't have the bandwidth, uh, probably to write too much more than what I'm currently doing and toiling on in secret. So, um, uh, that, that would be the other way to go. I, I do appreciate all of the fans who are, uh, buying Deadpool and, and buying Nova. And I hope if you're not buying Nova that, that you will now, you'll give me a shot, uh, to try and not embarrass myself. Um, and, and it is worth it. All these books are worth it for the art. The, 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 the teams are just, you know, they're, they're really, I think, special. Uh, Marvel has been very generous, uh, with us and collaborators on, on all these books. And by the way, uh, last plug, if I may, of course, uh, there's, uh, I, I, uh, have been, uh, very privileged to do the first serialized story in a plus X. And I think that's been really neat. Mm-hmm. I, I've had fun playing around with captain America and, and Cyclops <laughs> on an adventure that, uh, is a spiritual cousin to, uh, Midnight Run, where two very sort of odd uh, figures are 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 joined uh, in an adventure, uh, and it's been fun to to play around with. I, I hope people check out uh, check out those issues. It's ongoing now, yeah, uh, from thirteen to I think eighteen. Okay. All right. Well, I know you got to get going. I do, unfortunately, but I'd like to come back. Absolutely. So. 
maybe after the holidays, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, if you have somebody, uh, somebody drop out on you, just give me a call. Okay. I do this every I, week and sometimes it's like, ah, I mean, sometimes, you know, I, I got plenty of people lined up, but then every once in a while I'll hit this like gap and it's like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm in the same time zone and, uh, cool. I'd love to, uh, to come back on so please think of me absolutely all right thank you very much thank you and um congrats on your awesome review on comic vine for nova which you haven't (laughs) read yet (laughs) all right well thank you very much that's very kind all right we'll talk soon have a great one all right so that was jerry duggan um and just that last bit a little behind the scenes stuff i'm actually recording this on wednesday um jerry um his, his schedule on normally when i record this on thursdays it was a little full so so i actually haven't um written a review yet for nova but it's it's good and i'm being 100 percent sincere like i always am i mean it's you you really get a feel for who nova is and and i'm having a blast reading it and like jerry said that's what comics are supposed to be i love the serious comics you know sometimes you know you need to tell serious stories you need to get dark you need to get gritty or whatever you know depending on, on the characters and, and the mood and all that but you know sometimes just want to have a little fun and and you know we're, we're getting that with nova and you still have that underlying you know seriousness where it's like his family life is kind of screwed up now and you know they they, they got a, a whole mess of problems that they're gonna have to deal with so can't wait to to see where this is gonna go all right um since it is actually Wednesday, the uh, week before you guys listen to this, I'm going to have to get back to writing these reviews at some point. But I do want to answer some questions, you know, because that's that's what we do here. There's actually a couple on Twitter. So if you have questions, um, you can first of all on Twitter. So my my Twitter name is Gman from Heck. You can use the hashtag #AskGman. So Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't, because you know, as you if you've been listening, we share that hashtag with um, some G-man guy that likes to fish. Um, but there there are some questions here. You can also go to the general forums on Comic Vine, and you will see a Ask G-man video question thread. Since this originally was like a, a, a forty to fifty minute video, which took forever to edit and process and all that, so that's when I started doing the podcast and then inviting people. To join the show so you can ask questions there um you can send an email podcast at comicvine.com Spec- if you are going to send an email specify if it's for this podcast or if it's for the regular weekly podcast where um it's Corey and and sometimes matt or jen or you know whoever else can can call in um yeah and then there's tumblr which i don't I, it didn't seem like a lot of people were using the tumblr to ask questions so um, it's whatever it is, gmanfromheck.tumblr.com or whatever the address is, you can do that too. But going off of Twitter, there is a couple new Ask G-Man questions here. It's This is from Barnloaf. Um, I don't think I, yeah, I don't think I asked this one or did this one last week. Do you think that the X-Men movies benefit being separate from the Marvel U? More room or self-contained stories? Um, it would be great I mean, I, I think everyone would agree. It would be great to have the X-Men and Fantastic Four have everyone in the same cinematic universe. But at the same time, yeah, it's it, it, it would be hard to see. Like, you know, you get the Battle of New York, as, as we, we, we hear that reference all the time in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. If there's this huge, epic, 
battle going on in a major city and you only have like maybe like like four characters five you know whatever characters are involved with that then you got to wonder it's like where is everyone else and you know that that was the 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 problem that I personally had with Iron Man three, it's like, you know, Tony Stark's going through this, this, you know, heavy time. It's like, where's everyone else? And, and yeah, he, by that, the third movie, he's proven that you know, he can handle situations on his own. He doesn't need to get on the phone and, you know, call Thor and Asgard or, you know, Captain America or someone, but it did feel a little weird that he, here he's in this dire situation. He has friends but you know, no one comes, or you know, there's no mention of Shield cleaning up his his destroyed mansion. Which you know, who knows how much you know tech there there could be there that would be dangerous if it fell in the wrong hands. So, if the X Men were in the Marvel universe, then you know you would expect some crossovers. I mean, the, the good thing is we could have crossovers. You know, you could see Wolverine and Spider Man. You know, Spider Man is Sony, obviously, but you know you could have Wolverine, Spider Man, and Captain America or whoever. You know, team up or have mention of, of some situation. It'd be cool, but at the same time, having it self-contained, you don't have to worry about everything else that's going on. So it's it, it can you can make the argument either way but yeah i would rather have them all in the same universe and have to deal with those problems than you know have them separate and not have to worry about those problems um mark lepage says are there any good or worth reading 90s x-men stories um ooh, I, I sometimes get a little fuzzy between like the 80s and the 90s and the early 2000s um, the nineties, I, I know that's when the Chris Claremont, Jim Lee run came. That's also when we had the, the, the blue, what was it? Gold team. Um, we had the, the different units. There's some good, good stories there. Um, ah, this, see, this, this is one where, you know, prepping in advance would, would be good is knowing like what, what stories are collected? Cause, cause that's the main thing is, is, you know, if, if you want to read these particular stories, is there a nice handy trade collecting these or are these, you know, issues available on comiXology or something? But I'm trying to think if, the, I mean, I just personally enjoyed all those times. I, I really dug the times that the X-Men were in, in, um, whatchamacallit in Australia when, when we had Storm and Havoc and Dazzler and Psylocke and Colossus and Wolverine and all those is like, uh, you know, end of the Mark Silvestri run. And then when Jim Lee first started, I mean, those are great. Pretty sure are the wordos in the eighties. See, this is where it gets fuzzy. So those are some, some good times. Um, and I think Genosha did happen in the nineties. I mean, that was interesting. Not my favorite time period, but there's that. And then, ah, geez, was Grant Morrison's run in the two thousands? Yeah. It's gotta be in, so, um, it, it just depends. I mean, and also the main thing is what what you should do is look at creators that that were involved in, in those story arcs and the characters. You know, what, what was at the roster of the team, and just just kind of base it on there. I mean, I've I've always been a, a fan of the X Men, and I don't know if I can off the top of my head say, man, there was this period where it was just really bad. Because you know, I've I've never like stopped reading the X-Men, you know, there's no point where I'm just like, this is, I can't read this anymore. So maybe it's all good. So yeah. Um, on the forums, this is from Amish Avenger 
says, I know you guys talk about why the last man a lot. Can you give a quick explanation of the story idea beyond he's the last man on earth? The wiki page for the series seems a little blah. Thanks. That's not good if, if we don't have. Um, there should be more on there. Um, let's see. On the wiki page, it's, yeah, it doesn't it's say much. It says, a tale about Yorick Brown, the last man on earth. The entire series, as great as it was, was made even greater when it was collected into 10 trade paperbacks. Who the heck wrote this on the, uh, oh man. Um, so the, see, I don't want to give too much away, obviously, but the point is, so you got this guy York and his monkey, who, who's also a male, and something happens, all the men die, and he's, he's the last one. His basic, um, the, the main, the way, way it starts off where he was engaged, or he, he was just about to get to engage, and his girlfriend, fiance, oh, it's been a while, I think she was in Australia, so his main thing is like he, you know, here's he's the last dude on Earth, and he's got a planet full of women. But no, he's 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 dedicated. He wants to find the love of his life. So you know he's he's trying to find her. At the same time, the fact that he is the last man that kind of puts him in in a kind of awkward situation where there's going to be some people that like, hey, here's the last dude, and one, do we kill him, or two, do we try to grab him for his his special stuff and you know try to repopulate the world or you know why is he the last one you know there there's got to be something about him so that's that's what it is and along the way there's different stories and and it's uh, maybe i'm not explaining this you know doing it justice but it is a good series um i don't know if like the first issues you know sometimes you can get like the first issues for free i I don't know if Vertigo ever had it for free on their website because I think they did that for um, Fables before. But I would say, you know, try to try to check out, pick up the first trade of of Why the Last Man. You know, if you're gonna go with the regular trades because there's you know hardcover collected. There's different different ways you can get this, but pick up the the first trade or you know maybe even possibly check your local library if if they have. Um, graphic novels because some libraries do have you know, graphic novels you can check out see if they have it in their library and i i would almost be willing to guarantee that that you will will love it and and you'll want to check it out i mean there's a reason we we go on and on about it and if you've listened to us uh you know for for a while if you know what we like and what we don't like then you know that might ha- kind of help you um gauge where it would sit with you you know it, it's it's something different, you know. It, it was a Vertigo comic. It, you know, it's not a superhero comic because those are great. You know, I love them, but you know, sometimes you want something a little different. It's and it, it is a mature title. You know, there there is some profanity, there's some nudity, and I'll just leave it at that. So you know, it's it's not for the kids, but it's it's a great story, and it just happens to have really great art too. Uh, Mr. X1 says, hello, G-Man. I have a question that has been on my mind for some years now. In V for Vendetta, the comic book talked about a series of topics like freedom and um, revolutions and ideas. These topics are not discussed in a normal comic, and they don't have the themes of normal comic of a normal comic book. But they talk about a um, series of problems in society and then suggest a solution for that problem. My question is this. Are comic books becoming new ways of expressing your thoughts and saying that there is a problem that needs to be solved? Uh, 
I would say yes and no. I mean, not necessarily because the, the main majority of comics, I mean, it's it's about the entertainment. You know, it's that that's what it is. You know, if if you're reading Deadpool, you know, there there's not really a message that you should be getting out of that. Um, that being said, you know, there could be sometimes some underlying themes like in the good and bad and ugly, the whole thing where Deadpool kind of just lived his life, you know, the way whatever happened, happened. And, you know, he never really thought about consequences. And and then it turned out that there there kind of was. And, it's, and the same thing with like uh, with. With Wolverine, when Deadpool asked him for help, you know, if, if Wolverine would have helped, you know, listen to him instead of blowing him off, that could have changed things as well. So, you know, sometimes you can get little little things like that out of out of out of it. As far as big themes or or stances on on you know whatever, it it just really depends on on the book and on, on the writer, and you know, they may have. Uh, an ideal, you know, something that they want to, want to get out there, and whether they're trying to preach their views to people. That's not always the case. I would say that's rarely the case, but you know, sometimes it's like, Hey, here's this thing. I just want to put it out there and, you know, get you to think about it. Um, so it, it just really depends on, on, on how you think about it. Um, and I just, I just repeated myself there with that. I, yeah, I always look at uh, punk rock Jesus. You know, I was surprised there wasn't a bigger outcry over this because it's, you know, the idea of cloning Jesus Christ I could see a lot of people having, you know, serious problems with that. And, and they, you know, they're entitled to have problems with it if they don't agree with the idea and, you know, sacrilege or whatever. But so was this uh, a message about religion? Maybe. Um, there is also aspects of, uh, you know, a lot of, of the, the series in the beginning, it, it delved on like reality television and the way, you know, society treats certain people where, you know, a lot of times, when you see the way some reality shows and, you know, I haven't watched many lately, so I, I don't know if they're still doing it, but the way they're edited where a lot of times it, these are people's personal lives and it's, it's all edited. So, you know, there's these, these confrontations, there's all these conflicts and, you know, bad moments. And, you know, sometimes they'll try to set things up, see if they can push things to, to get more drama or conflict. And, you know, the, the networks, they're just like, Hey, you know, we're looking for viewers. You know, we, we want make revenue off of this, you know, and yeah, we're using these people. We're giving them their 15 minutes of fame or whatever, you know, so um, that message right there, you could have gotten that out of punk rock Jesus. And, you know, again, what was that intended? You know, that that's a question for, for Sean Murphy. So it, it just really depends on, on the book. Um, but it, you can say that for, for novels as well. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned uh, there's, there's a novel that I'm reading is League of Somebodies. You know, so it's it's a superhero comic. There's a lot of messages and themes there within a novel that's you know at its core, it's talking about you know the idea of of superpowers, and you know you can get a lot of different things out of there. So it's just a way to express yourself, and and sometimes it's meant to go somewhere. Other times, it's it's just entertainment. So. It's up to, I guess, individual reader how you interpret it, and you know, unless the author specifically says, "This is what I'm trying to say here. This is what I want you to get out of this." Um, Puppet Master seventy five says, "I was curious how you felt about the Thor movies. Obviously, the Dark World um, hasn't premiered when this question was asked, but I've read some reviews that said the movie is just okay at best. This makes me wonder what is missing from the movies. While I think the Nine Realms and the various enemies are interesting." 
I feel only a select few are really a challenge for Thor. Um, my other issue was that as much as I like the dynamic between Thor and Jane, it just feels like the romance between them could hold off. I want to see Thor in battle and his awesome powers, not a romance that doesn't seem to be moving anywhere. So by now, you um, Puppet Master 75, you know how I felt. Um, you know, I wrote a review. Uh, me and Matt Rory did a discussion on it. So I, I did enjoy it. I did like it. Um, was it the best movie ever? No, because, you know, we're, we're getting more and more picky, you know, with, with each comic book movie, um, which is good in a way, you know, because we're, we're getting a lot of good stuff. Um, but, yeah, my original – Thoughts. I, I mean, I, I was under an impression that this was going to be heavily, t- you know, taking place a lot on Asgard. And, you know, we did get to see some of that in the beginning. But then, you know, quickly it goes to Earth and you got the invasion on Earth. And, and what about all of Thor's friends? Well, you know, they're, they're, they're busy and they're in another realm or you know, on Asgard. So it was a, a little unfortunate that, you know, some of them were just – they're, you know, they're, they're just like cameos. And, um, you know, I, I do like Natalie Portman. I like the character. But, yes, I, I, I will agree that uh, sometimes that that romance feels, you know, it's like, it's like wow, they, they really fell for each other. And, and they hardly had any time together. It would be one thing if there was more time, like if, if Thor didn't leave right at the end of the movie, like if somewhere between – uh, Thor and Avengers, he had to leave, you know, because they really didn't have that much time to connect. You know, there there's that that moment on the roof when you know Thor is looking at Jane's sketchbook and you know talking about the realms and all that. So maybe it was just you know there was this bond instantaneously, but it yeah it it, it seems like there should be more of a connection between Thor and Sif, but that's just not the way it was written. Um, so yeah, it would be cool to see more Thor in action. Is that what people want though? You know, people want to see him on Earth and you know, the fish out of water scenario, you know, trying to deal with being in this other place where he's not really used to. So I, I imagine that's why they they had him on there. That's why they had Cat Dennings the you know be the the comic relief. Um, you know, make things funny, make people laugh. So I don't know. Um Puppet Master twenty five says Anyways, my question is, how would you make a Thor movie that actually challenges his powers besides it being an Avengers team-up movie? I don't feel like Malekith is a very challenging enemy and that they aren't really utilizing some of the enemies that has given Thor so much trouble in the past. It's, it's hard to say because, again, if you're trying to appeal to everyone, and, and yeah, when you have you know, your Game of Thrones, you know, people love that. Um, would all those people you – know, how many people are watching Game of Thrones – and how many people went and saw Thor? I mean, would people really want a pure Asgardian adventure battle? You know, it, it, it's really hard to say. And who who are the big enemies for Thor? Um, that that's another tough one. That you know, who's going to really challenge him? Um, having Thor and Loki, you know, that that always makes it you know an interesting dynamic. Um, you know, we already saw the Frost Giants. You know, we can't have Searcher come because that's that's too big. Um, you know, maybe we, we could see that at some point, but it, it's really hard. I've and I've mentioned before, I've always liked Thor with the Avengers. Um, I always like that, and you know, sometimes some of the you know, Thor and the Warrior Three, you know, sometimes it just got to be a a little little too much for me. You know, not not really what what I was looking for. So I know I don't really answer the question, but 
that's kind of kind of what I got for that. Uh, Sokoden says, if the Amazing Spider movies are building towards the to introducing the Sinister Six to the big screen, which villain or villains you think must be in a Sinister Six? So we saw in a trailer, so we know. Um, I mean, you got to have Doc Ock. You got to have Green Goblin. Um, Sandman would be cool. Vulture. I don't think I said him. Mysterio. And so that's five. Who else could we have? I mean, do we want Chameleon? I mean, Chameleon would, would could make sense in the movies. Uh He's he's I I respect the character. He's not one of my favorites. Um, I I don't want Venom because you know you know sometimes he was used and that that just we don't need him now. Um, but yeah, let's just go with Chameleon because he he can make things interesting. Uh, but definitely, if you know me, you know I want Mysterio. Um, second, if Spider if the Spider Man movies do bring the Sinister Six, where do you think they'll go afterwards? Um, that's that's a big thing. Is you know if the third movie does the Sinister Six, do you just stop right there? Do you say, okay, we got our trilogy, um, or, you know, are, are we going to start over? Uh, it did just come out that, uh, so I guess there is going to be a fourth movie that, you know, I guess Sony's talked about that they have plans for Music Spider-Man 3 and 4, but Andrew Garfield's only committed to do up to the third one. So he he's... He said that he may not be in the fourth one. Um, the The question is: Is he saying that you know if, he, if he's only contracted or you know obligated to do three movies and then they want to do a fourth? Is it could be like, hey, Sony, so you know people are used to me. Let, let's talk my salary. You know, it could be with that. You know, maybe he doesn't want to do more than that. You know, he doesn't want to just do you know Spider Man forever, or maybe you know Marvel may want to go somewhere else. It's 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 hard, it's hard to say. Um, let's see, and then oh, so so what could they do after that? It's you know there there's still the whole thing. You know, are they gonna what's gonna happen with Gwen Stacy? And you know there there's a lot of stories they could do. Um, it would be weird, you know, if you have this real big movie with six villains and then then you go down to one villain. Um, it would just it would depend on where they go. I mean, there, there's so much history in Spider-Man that they could easily like tone it down a little bit and not, I don't know if I really want to see the Sinister Six on a big screen. It'd be cool, but you know, is it going to be too much? So we'll have to see. Um, third question. Let's say the ultimate Marvel universe ends. And for some reason, Miles ends up in the 616 universe. How would you feel about having miles in the 616? Um, it would be a bummer because you know, it's great having him in a 616. And you know, I never would have thought that I'd, I'd be okay with ultimate Peter Parker being gone, you know, after he, he died. Uh, but miles, I mean, I don't know what it is about, about that, that, that kid, or, you know, if it's Bendis's writing or whatever, but he's, he's, he's a great character. And I would, I don't even really want to think about the idea of the ultimate universe ending. You know, is that going to happen? And I will say, you know, I haven't read, uh, ultimate Spider-Man cataclysm number two, whatever that, that came out this week, last week, when you're listening to this, uh, there's also the thing which um which may be an issue or i imagine it's going to be coming up soon it's like what what is who is the 616 miles morales because you know at the end of spider-man spoilers um you know peter parker did a google and he was like uh, what so 
we'll have to see what that means. You know, will there be two miles in the 616 if he were to come over? So I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts about bringing the League of Assassins to Arrow? It's interesting. I'm I'm okay with it. Uh, you know, they they kind of fit in with with that TV universe. Uh, you know, because we we can't have like if it was like Clayface or you know, I don't know, you know, Solomon Grundy or you know th- that might be a little too far fetched. But the League of Assassins idea that that totally works for you know what's what's being established and and yeah, so I'm I'm fine with that. Let's say Batman and Spider-Man team up to fight some of their villains together because they formed a new Sinister Six to take them down. Which Batman and Spider-Man villains would you like to see in a Sinister Six team together? Uh, see, this is hard because we know villains don't get along a lot of times because you can't have the Joker there. Um, same, almost the same thing with you know Green Goblin is always kind of a loose cannon, and you know who's who's going to be leading the team. Um. So this is tough. Um, you know, Riddler could be good. You know, you get some some smarts. Um, we need some firepower. So, see, so then you you say Clayface because then he, he's similar sort of to Sandman. Um, and you know, Mister Freeze. I definitely say Mister Freeze. Uh, what other villains? So you can't say Catwoman. This now this is the part where you guys are gonna be listening to me like uh uh, uh you know thinking. Um. <laughs> how about Mysterio? <laughs> Mysterio, but no Scarecrow, because you know they're the mind manipulation. There's there's a lot of characters that kind of like team up and you know kind of compare notes on on how to take out these these characters. So, um, do we? Does Batman have any flying villains? He doesn't have a vulture type villain, does he? And there's probably oh, he's got Man Bat, which isn't always a villain. So you kind of got that. So say you can almost kind of take either Sinister Six and, or, or you know, six of the Sinister Six, and then there are six counterparts, and do some melding, and that's that's my way to dance out of this question because I don't have a lot of time. Um, knighthood, who is the most acclaimed female writer in comic history? Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick and Senti and Gail Simone don't do much for me. Um, they're decent. Uh, Weezy Simonson, Louise Simonson, was decent too. I just can't think of any classic female script books. Um, by the way, I like DeCampi, Clunan, and Deering so far. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, people know I I love Kelly Sue's writing. Um, you know, it helps. It doesn't help. I mean, she the the nice thing about her being a great writer, she's also a really cool person. If you ever get a chance to talk to her at a convention, I mean, she's great. Um, I I like her stuff. I mean, I love her. Captain Marvel and Avengers Assemble, um, Pretty Deadly is great. Um, and Gail Simone, you know, I, I like her stuff. Uh, you know, Batgirl's interesting. Sinister Six, I mean, who who doesn't who didn't like Sinister Six? Um, but as far as, as classic, well, you know, part of the thing is the way the industry sort of was that there there weren't a lot of female writers, and you know, even going back into history. Um, and I think it was Intensent Plague. I think this came up. It was either on last week's Friday episode. Someone asked about like comic, actual books. You know about books about comics. And I, I think it was Tencent Plague where they they talked about 
like female creators. And this was like, you know, like in the fifties or sixties where, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of them. It wasn't really, um, it was like unheard of that, you know, you could have a female writer or artist. I, I believe that was how it was. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually kind of dropping the ball here, but if you, if you look at legends of red Sonia, um, Gail has brought in a lot of female writers. Oh, Marjorie Lou, you know, she should be in that list. Cause I mean, I, I've been loving everything she's, she's done. Um, so yeah. And you know, but the way I kind of look at it is I don't think it really matters the gender of the writer. It's, it's, you know, it's the quality of the writing. I mean, I'm not, I don't necessarily need to read something just because it's written by a male or just because it's written by a female. Um, so I, I don't know how we really feel about trying to say who is the best, you know, female writer when it should be, you know, who, who's the best writer. But yeah, having more female writers, I'm obviously I'm all for that, you know, and, uh, but I don't really want to get into the whole, you know, sexual, you know, inappropriateness, but I will just say, you know, anyone listening, obviously, especially if you're a dude, you know, respect the, the females, whether they're a writer, they're a fan, your next door neighbor, whatever. Just it, it's it's not cool when you say like some demeaning, <laughs> you know, I always you see the comments like it's like, oh, you're hot. I'd like to do this to you. It's like, wow, that, you know, that you're going to win that girl's heart. You know, by by saying something completely rude, and I don't, I just, I don't, I don't get that, and I don't really want to preach about that, but just <laughs> it, there, there's, there's no, no point in that. I don't know why that happens. Okay, just a few more. Um, also, I, I need to, not that I, I have to, but I'm need to get out of studio because Giant Bomb would like to do some of their end of the year podcast stuff. And this isn't my normal day using the studio. So we all share. Muckleflugga says, what are the best stories featuring bats and soups? Um, you know, one that I really like off the top of my head is, is John Byrne. He did, um, I think it was three different books called Generations. And um, I guess it really depends if you like John Byrne, which, I, you know, I, I was a fan of his stuff. But you, you see the two characters and they, they age like a normal um, time period. So like it starts out in like 1939. So you see them get old and, you know, it's called generations because then, you know, there's kids and future generations and, you know, stuff like that. So um, it's not like the most iconic, like important in the history of the characters. Cause it's, it's basically like an Elseworlds book cause it's never going to happen. But, but those are good. Uh, I like the early um, Superman Batman series, you know, where we had, uh, you know, Public Enemies, um, where Supergirl was introduced, you know, those are good. Um, Hush, you know, there, there's some, some cool moments in there. Um, oh, oh, which trades from, okay, I take that back, which trades from the Superman Batman series. So yeah, definitely, I would say the early ones. Um, it was maybe it was like around issues the, like the forties or fifties. You know, so I talked about this a little with, with when Francis Manipal was on, where um you know, it it at some point it started getting where the stories weren't necessarily in continuity, and you know they they were just like random Superman Batman stories that could happen any time. Which you know those are great, but the the early ones really quote unquote mattered. You know because they 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 had you know 
we saw Supergirl come to the DC universe and that was a big deal because then, you know, she did exist and, you know, stuff like that happened. So I would say definitely the, the, you can't go wrong with the early ones. And then you'll start to see it kind of like a downward progression after that. Um, and Malco Fluga says another one. It's, it's almost felt like a challenge for me to get through Iron Fist Volume 2. Every issue in that arc has at least one. My name is blank. How do you feel about this line in comics? Um, you know, I have to say I'm not really sure what you're talking about. Are you talking about the Immortal Iron Fist Volume 2? Um, it's been a while since I read it. I know I did like it back then. Um, and, I, you know, I don't know if I really... Jeez, I don't know if I know what you mean by my name is blank. So unless it's the characters when they're, they've run into each other that, you know, they have to introduce themselves for our sakes. Um, yeah. If, if there is, if it happens too much and it gets redundant because realistically the characters aren't going to say this, but at the same time, that's more for the benefit of the readers who may not know who this new character popping in is. And yeah. So, I mean, there are other ways to do it. You know, you don't have to say their name all the time. Um, the Muckle Flag says, which comic book movies being with, with comic book movies being so popular at the moment and the image releasing so many great books, what image series do you think would be great for the big screen? Um, I know we're only a couple issues in, but velvet comes to mind right away. Um, the same thing with, uh, black science. Um, we've only had one issue of that, but that could definitely, um, make a movie pretty deadly could be interesting. You know, there's a lot of great visuals. Interesting to see how, how that plays out. Um, Manhattan projects. I would love to see it. That, that could be kind of crazy. Um, seeing how, how that would be, um, severed, uh, I think it would be cool. could be, you know, dark and, and, and scary. Um, now this is a point where I, I forget, uh, saga could, I, I'd be see some of these. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant. Like you know, Saga could be really cool, but there's just like so much there, and you know, you want it visually to look great and not cheesy. So I, I think that could be be really interesting. Okay, this is going to be the last one. So this is from Ectoborg. He says, "Hey, Jimmy, long time no post. Are we too hard on comic book creators? In the Silver Age, superheroes did crazy and imaginative story with a wide array of new villains and characters. Currently, whenever a creator introduces a new villain or has the hero do something out of the ordinary, people complain. Ectoborge has included um, the cover of Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 115. So this is one where um, they're in a desert. Jimmy Olsen and Aquaman are are crawling to Superman. He's got a pitcher of water. Jimmy's saying, Superman, stop this crazy test. Let us share that water or we die. And then Superman says, sorry, Jimmy. The ground rules allow only one survivor, you or Aquaman. So, I mean, yeah, that's pretty crazy. Superman's being, you know, total jerk. Um, the idea of, of one of them dying. Is that going to happen? No. But, they, you know, they did a lot of crazy things like that. And they're hilarious. They're, they're fun. So, like the board says, should creators be given the same amount of creative license that they had before? Um before we had exceptions for these characters. I would say yes and no. Um, you know, it, it's good to have these these kind of wacky stories sometimes, but it's at the same time, 
it, it would be weird if, if all if Superman started doing something like this, or you know, some of the things we saw Batman doing. You know, it. Unfortunately, it, the the bigger these characters get, you know, they become even though they are owned by DC or Marvel or whoever, but then they you know they kind of become owned by the fan base where you know we see these all the time, and you know we have our expectations. So it's 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 tough. That's why writing these characters can be hard sometimes. And, you know, like Jerry was saying, he's getting people, you know, tweet to him about, you know, Richard Ryder, which he has nothing to do with it. It's not like he can say, hey, I'm writing Nova now. Let's bring him in. And, you know, that that's not his decision. Um, so th- there should be some freedom. You know, you look at what they're doing with Deadpool. Uh, you know, issue 20 was crazy, was wacky. It was all over the place. How does that fit into Marvel 616? You know, it, it doesn't. And that's the thing. You just read it and you're like, this is insane. You have a good time. Um, but it's, you know, could you do that with a Batman story? Not really. Could you do it with Spider-Man? Well, you know, we have the Marvel Knights Spider-Man, which is not necessarily crazy wacky like that, but it is pretty crazy, you know, visually and everything. So there is a place to have it. Um, you know, we see like the all new Marvel, what now, you know, there's times where things can be goofy, but it just seems like people don't necessarily want so much goofy. Um, you know, you look at what, what sells, you know, people want serious comics, but they should be a little lighthearted. Okay. With that, it is time once again to say goodbye. So thank you for listening. Uh, if you have questions again, you go to Twitter, um, ask G man, I'm G-Man from Heck. You can go to the Ask G-Man video question thread. Um, put some comments here. Let us know what you thought. Um, you know, if, if Again, you go to the Facebook page because that's where people got to ask questions again for Jerry. On the, if you just search Invincibly Supermassive comic book podcast of stuff, you, know, you should be able to find um, the, the page. Give it a like. Um, to let me know. I know that some people just are so anti Facebook. You know, just you control what you put on Facebook. You know, you don't have to put your whole life history there. You know, you don't have to be worried about that. And you know, same thing with Twitter. Like Jerry said, don't put everything out there. You know, keep some stuff to yourself. You know, you don't have to say every little thing and you know display it for the whole world. Um, and if you're on iTunes. Give, give the show a review. You know, let me know what you think and let others know what you think. So thanks for listening. So next week, again, we will have, um, so as, as it was mentioned, um, so we will have the writer of the League of Somebodies. So if, if you read the interview, you know, you have some questions, you know, he'll be on to talk about his book, wh- how he feels about other characters and so forth. And we'll have another show. And we're getting close to the end of the year. There will be maybe a hiatus. We'll see what happens um, the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, hopefully not. We'll see what we do. Again, thanks for listening. Read some comics. Try to be happy. Try to be positive. You know, don't be so negative. Just be happy. <laughs> don't, don't worry. And and as um, Jerry and Brian said, good luck. Don't die. So, so my question, my is, question is, is, could it be? We don't, we don't know. know. And I would like to I'm ask like you which comic book does affect you most emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. Don't oh, shake your head. I love Alan Davis. This is a John Byrne issue. I love Alan Davis. I, I, I wasn't a fan of this. That's the question. You can't blame the immediate creative team. 
I gave this a two. 